Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Wonderful. Welcome, everyone. If you're here for the first time, hope you feel at home and enjoy the Word of God. Enjoy Jesus. And um, wonderful God. Awesome. Thank you, Father, for helping me to share your Word. It's not easy to share something that I, th- I really, really believe. It's really the beginning of sharing something that probably needs no exaggeration a year to bring us into this course that I believe God wants us all to get into. And so my message today is about, it's all about Jesus. So my whole message is going to be all about, it's all about Jesus. And I don't know how to explain it this way. You know, reality is if it's not about Jesus, by default, it'll be about something else. And I, I, I believe the church is coming back to falling in love with Jesus. I really believe that with all my heart. I, I believe revival, the harvest, end time harvest is not going to happen unless we're all absolutely in love with Jesus. And um, we've been partnering with an apostolic prophetic team, translocal team. That means the apostle, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers for um, 26 years. And when you're relating and partnering with an apostolic team, apostolic by nature is going to be uh, on the forefront. They're, they're, they're pioneering and they also lay foundation to the church. So you, you build on the foundation they give. And Dougley Daniel, who used to lead it many years ago, about 18 years ago, he preached on the kingdom of God, the whole thing, uh, a whole series on the kingdom of God and basically saying that the message that we should be preaching is the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the message he brought. He came to reveal the kingdom, to demonstrate the kingdom. And that was like 18 years ago. No one was talking about the kingdom. There weren't any books about the kingdom. I'm telling you. And then maybe, I don't know, five, ten years later, it all started. And now everyone speaks about the kingdom. Everyone's, the language of the kingdom is on our lips because the Lord is shifting us back to the word and the reality of the kingdom of God. And, and, and in saying that, Tyrone Daniel, who leads the team now, which is his son, he's took over, he leads the apostolic team, about five or six years, could be more, um, I don't think it's less, because I remember hearing him speak about this easy four or five years ago, so it could be more than that, but he started bringing our whole team, the team's about six, seven, eight hundred people now, worldwide, that serve this apostolic prophetic team, and he said, uh, he started preaching about Christ, and Jesus. He started preaching about the centrality of Christ, that it should be all about Jesus. The church has got to get back to actually bringing everyone into focus and attention and worship, and it's all about Him. In reality, if you can understand my, uh, the heart of God, if it's not about Jesus, it unconsciously and by default has to be about something else. And see, our love, out of our love for Jesus, because we're in love with Him and we're in absolute relationship with Him, we will do things and we will have causes. But the problem is we end up having a cause and we lose sight of Jesus. And that's not healthy. We will get off track. That is not the blueprint that you find in the Bible. So in, in this, you know, I've been start, starting to seek God and I felt, I don't know, I just felt led and impressed by God to just go through the Scriptures, Leo. Go through the Word. And just, uh, just go through the way I was in, uh, at that time. I thought I'd go for Ephesians. Just, just happily go through Ephesians 4 and just look at everything it says about Christ or Jesus. And write that down as an emphasis or as a point that Jesus brought this. Jesus did this. Jesus gave us this. And so, you know, I did that. I went to Colossians. I did the same with Colossians. 
Uh, I started with Galatians. It's like only a few chapters. I've, I've got over 30, 40 points already. And I won't do that to you this morning. But, but, um, but I, I, I honestly believe if you go, I've I got it on my heart now to go through the whole New Testament like that. To read from the beginning, from Matthew, all the way to Revelations, and see how much the Bible speaks of Jesus. And it's not just in the New Testament. It's all in the Old Covenant. Everything in the Old Covenant is, is it's concealed, but it's all about Jesus. The New Covenant, it's revealed. It's all revealed. But in the Old Covenant, it's all prophesying and about the Messiah. And there's so many things that the Father did in the Old Covenant, all just to bring Jesus into the planet. And so I want us to understand the heart of God in, in focusing us back to our love relationship with Jesus. Never forget when you first got saved. Never forget when you and I first got saved. And I know everyone gets saved differently. I, I, you know, some people get saved slowly, little by little, and they don't even know when, at what point did I sort of become a Christian. That's, that happens. And other people can get saved radically and just, just drops and bang. And, but you're in love. You're dumbfounded in love sometimes. And you preach to everybody that moved and anything that moved. And you highlighted the Bible. It was just fully highlight everything. That I, like, what happened from then to now? How could we possibly lose focus? Shouldn't we, many, many years on, be more in love with this beautiful Jesus instead of losing our fire? We can't lose our fire. We've got to be more in love with Him. And when people would say that as a young believer, oh, you're going to lose your fire, you know, you'll, get, you'll be balanced and you'll have some wisdom and, you know, just be always in my heart. No. I think if this is pure love and real love, it should be more as I grow. Surely, I go through ups and downs. Yes, I've been through dry periods. Yes, we go distracted. But surely I should be growing from glory to glory, from faith to faith. So let's start in the Word of God. And hopefully, I'll go through some of them fast just to help us see the bigness and the fact that everything in the Word is giving us Jesus, pointing us to Jesus. They preach Jesus. I mean, Jesus, uh, Paul says, I preach Him. I preach Christ and Him crucified. What was his message? Jesus. And uh, I, I do believe this. Uh, I meant to say that we're talking about God bringing us back to Jesus. I, I do believe God is raising up a remnant and a movement all around the world that's starting to speak about Jesus like never before. Everywhere around the world, it's happening. Them, what, what Tyron was saying five, six years ago, people weren't emphasizing Jesus at that point. But now it's all, as a movement of Jesus. I mean, uh, there's a Jesus image church in Orlando, Michael Kalilanis, whatever. I always say it wrong, don't I? But Michael is a ma- great man of God. And if you can Google him, listen to his messages. He's amazing. But it's, his whole life message is Jesus. He said he grew a church from 400 to 25. It grew the wrong way when he was doing it in his own flesh. Now the church is thousands of people. People are lining up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Can't wait to get into the presence of God because Jesus is there. Thousands of people. Because he met Jesus and had an encounter with Jesus. As a believer, he had a radical uh, experience with Jesus encounter with Jesus and so I want us to know that yes the church is coming back I got saved in the 80s and the things that we were doing as a church in the 80s we I can see from the 90s to the 2000 and 2010 and 2020 we are maturing and growing and there's hope in the church Jesus Christ will come back for a pure bride a holy bride without spot without wrinkle and a church a bride that's in absolutely in love with the bridegroom it's happening we just want to make sure we're on the, we're on board okay we're on board the, that, that river and that, the beautiful wave of God. And so I, I do believe God is doing it all around the world. And there's a lot of churches that are doing a great job about Jesus. 
But let's be honest, at the same time, sometimes we just lose a little bit of focus. And we made things other, other than Jesus. I mean, even our worship, I can just introduce this so that when I go into the point, you get a glimpse of sometimes our worship is so phenomenal and so amazing. But how do we know if a worship set or a worship time was successful? Not on how amazing the songs were, not how amazing the worship was, if the keys were perfect and how amazing it was and phenomenally just together, no mistakes or, or how many CDs were sold. That doesn't prove how powerful the worship was. Is if Jesus actually came. Because we're actually worshipping for Jesus. We're worshipping for Him. And I'm, I'm, I'm in this too because what about when we worship and we worship because I want to feel good. I want to be blessed. I want to feel free. I, Lord, I need some breakfast. I'm going to worship so I can feel goosebumps. I can feel the presence of God. I want to feel Him because I love it. And I'm just trying to show you how we feel inside sometimes. But who's on my mind? Me. Not Him. Think about... Doesn't matter how I feel, doesn't matter what I've been through, doesn't matter what I faced during the week, what I went through in the morning, I don't care how I feel. I don't even check my feelings. He deserves my worship and glory no matter how I feel. I'm going to worship Him for His sake, not for my sake. Completely different mindset. And, and the songs in the past, sometimes we sing about things that are not about Jesus. And Tyrone and Daniel, who leads the team, used to always say to us many years ago, I'll make sure when people, when our worship is about Jesus. Make sure it's focusing on Him. Make sure when people hear you sing, that they know what you're singing about. Because there's probably a place for um, songs where we can stir one another up and we're stirring each other up with these songs. Like We're speaking to each other to come on, let's walk by faith. Each step by faith. Remember that song? Long time ago. Very long time ago. And, and, and the battle and the... The battle songs where we stir each other up about, you know, the battle is the Lord's and everything. We sing to each other. But imagine if the whole worship service becomes that. Now, I believe the worship service should start with thanksgiving because the Bible says it's the gateway into His presence. But thanksgiving to who? To Him. We, we come, we enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter His courts with praise. So we enter by exalting, praising, thanking Him. And guess what? Jesus will definitely come when our focus is on Him. You wonder why sometimes He doesn't come because we're singing about everything else, stirring each other up. And maybe there's a place for that, but the worship should not be all that. And then we should be coming to a place where we worship Him and exalt Him, him and forget about ourselves. So just quickly, number one, there's about 25 points at the moment here. It's going to grow, but I will not get through 25, I don't think. Unless I go really, really fast through it. I've got 20-something minutes. All right. First thing came to mind, I thought, you know, I suppose it would start from the beginning. Jesus created us. Jesus created us. You might say, but I thought God created us. God, Jesus is God. Just, just show, gives you a hint that Jesus actually is God. But, but the Bible says in the book of Genesis that God created the world by speaking the world into existence. He said, light be, and then light was. True. And then in Hebrews, it talks about God created everything by the power of His Word, that everything that was seen was created by the unseen, which is the spiritual, God. God created it. It talks about that. But in Colossians chapter 1, let me read this in verse 14. You can write all these scriptures down if you like and have a look at it, but it should be. I'll get these, these notes up on the app. So if you're connected to the app, you can get all the study notes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So we know we're talking about Jesus, who, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. He was firstborn from the dead. We are born from the dead as well. 
For by him were all things created. By who? By Jesus. By Jesus were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, that are visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. I just want us to remind us, why should Jesus be the focal point of everything we do? It's because all things were created by Him and for Him, by the way. So you were created by Him. He's our Creator, and we're actually created for Him. You will never find fullness, satisfaction without your relationship with Him. It's impossible because there's a, not just a vacuum. Your spirit, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they spiritually died, separated from God. Their spirit man you have a spirit man, a spirit person inside of you. That spirit being, if it came out of my body, it would look like me standing here. It's got a complete body. It's a spiritual. It's not some mist. It's a real body. When you go to heaven, you don't go with your physical body. You go with your spirit and your soul. And you walk around like you would physically, but your spiritual body. So your spirit being is spiritually dead to God without Christ. And when you accept the gospel and accept Jesus Christ and all that he did and you believe with all your heart what he did for you on the cross, you get resurrected. Your spirit man that's dead to God is resurrected. And then the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's the vacuum field. That's the emptiness. That's the separation. Now made one. Now you actually one. Isn't that good? Actually one with God. So he's the creator of all things. It even says in some scriptures that I'll read it, Colossians 1, verse 17. Christ is before all things. How could Christ be before, before all things? Remember when Jesus was walking on the planet, he said, before Abraham was. It was hundreds and hundreds of years later. I am. He's referring to his divinity. Not as a physical man, but as the divine God who he was. And he says, and, and in Colossians 1, 17, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and by him all things exist. All things exist by Jesus. Surely he should be all our focus. Number two, Jesus is our Lord. Philippians 2 verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven. Things, actually, the word things is talking about beings because it's talking about every person will bow, every being in heaven, every being on earth, and every being under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord and everyone's going to confess it. We're doing it willingly right now because we're believers. But every single person in heaven, in, on the earth or under the earth will do it. The ones that are under the earth, that are unsaved, will do it, but will do it unwillingly. They'll do it simply because He is God and He is Lord. So Jesus is our Lord. It means He owns us. That's one of my last points, but that means He owns us. And surely the owner who owns the church should not be treated like a visitor. I think I remember the revelations. He knocks on the door of your heart. He's knocking. Talk to the church. He's knocking on the door. He's outside. He says, anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I'll come in and sup with you. Closest fellowship, eyeball to eyeball, eating food, connect with you. He desires fellowship with you. But he's on the outside knocking on the door of the church. So he's the visitor. He's the creator. He's the, he's the, he's the Lord of all. He's the Savior. He did everything to create us, and he's on the outside knocking on our door. Surely the owner should not be treated like a visitor. Can you see how focused we've got to be? We've got to say, God, we want you and nothing else. So Jesus is our Lord, but Jesus is the one who saved us, no one else. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says in Acts that there's no other name given, among, uh, given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other name. You can't be saved any outside of any other way except through the name of Jesus. He's the salvation of the world. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. We don't find salvation any other way. That's why Christianity is so persecuted. Because every other religion says there's many ways to God. And we say, no, there's only one way to God, which is what Jesus said. Jesus is who we worship. I've got to read this, Revelations chapter 5, verse 11. This is in, in, found in um, the book of Revelations, but it's, it's, it's the season where John was weeping and crying because no one was found worthy to open up the scroll and to read what's in the scroll. Think about that for a second. Moses was there. Abraham was there. David was there. Noah was there. Peter was there. Paul was there. All the apostles were there. No one was worthy to read it. But when he was weeping and weeping and weeping, the angel says, don't weep. There's someone who's found worthy. It was Jesus, the Lamb of God. And as he, he, he is able to read it, but this is what he said. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. It's his way of saying we couldn't even count the numbers. It was millions and millions of people. And saying with a loud voice, imagine how loud it would be. Millions and millions of people saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard them saying, Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. It's talking about Jesus, the worship that he deserves. He deserves all our worship, all the honor, all the glory, all the power. When you really, 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 I can say it for a thousand million times, believe that you were going to go to hell and he saved you from it, you'll say you deserve all the glory. Or the honor, or the power, or the praise. So Jesus is our, our focus of our worship. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes when the worship is phenomenal, we go, wow, wasn't the worship amazing? But what's the purpose of the worship? To exalt Jesus, to bring us closer to Jesus, to worship Jesus. So shouldn't we be starting to say, I think in the time coming soon, we'll be saying, wasn't Jesus amazing in the worship? Because it's not just about the experience of worship, it's about meeting Him. Does that make sense? When our focus becomes Him, we'll actually our language will change. That's true of messages. A lot of people go, wow, that message was so powerful. Wasn't that message great? But hang on a second, what's the message all about? It's to bring us to Christ. We're preaching Christ. It's to express Jesus. It was to show us how good He is. It's to get your eyes on Him. So shouldn't we be saying, well, isn't Jesus amazing? Now, I'm not saying there's no place to encourage or... Sometimes we say that message, oh, that was a good message. All that. But remember, it's actually all about Jesus. Now, Jesus is the Word of God. That's found in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we know that the Word is God or was God. And, says, and, the, and, and the Word, in verse 14 of that same chapter, became flesh. It tabernacled among us. The Word of God became flesh. God became a man. 
So Jesus' word, Jesus is the word because he, he, he was the word and he became flesh. And everything he said was the word of God. Remember how many times he said, everything I say, I say what my father says. I hear what my father said, then I say it. Everything he said, he was the express image of God. There's not a word that came out of the lips of Jesus that was not the word of God. So he is the word of God. Shouldn't we emphasize Jesus if he's the word of God? And every subject we teach, it's in and around Jesus. This is why we do it. He's asking us to do it. He's teaching us to do this. Does that make sense? So it's not just we just leave Jesus and we talk about the subject. Like marriage. Let's say marriage. If I preach on marriage, sometimes people can preach on marriage and never mention Christ. Yet marriage, Jesus is the model of our marriage. The way he loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as Christ, uh, as church submits to Christ. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. So this is the model. It's the whole pattern for marriage. So you can't actually preach on marriage without Christ. So it's okay to preach on marriage because Paul did in the letters. He taught on marriage, but he brought Christ into it. You hear what I'm saying? We could take Christ out and actually teach on marriage and don't even mention Jesus. That's the whole motivation. That's what I'm referring to. How would he point everything to Jesus? I can talk on finances. I can talk on tithing. But we tithe to the high priest. We give to Jesus because he asked us to. Because when they said, you know, uh, Jesus actually says, do this and don't forget the latter one. He actually said, keep tithing. But don't forget faith, mercy, and grace and, and those things. So why do I tithe? Not because everybody else does. Not because I want to be accepted in the culture. Not because I want, to be, I want other people to know that I'm okay. I'm doing everything else is doing. That's not a revelation from Jesus. You do it because Jesus has asked you to do it. All righty. Holy, so Jesus is the word of God. I know you believe that and know that. <laughs> point six. Holy Spirit. It's not a point. It's just... Heaps of scriptures. <laughs> Please hear what I'm saying. Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. So now, the, so Jesus did everything he did. He died on the cross, paid the price, glorified so that the Holy Spirit could come. And when the Holy Spirit could come, it's so that he can live in us. The reason why Jesus had to die on the cross before the Holy Spirit could come is so he can cleanse our temple from sin. So our physical temple is cleansed, washed. Now the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. Now the Holy, God can send the Holy Spirit from, from, from heaven. And the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit lives in us. But what's the Holy Spirit's ministry for? To reveal Jesus. You say, where's that in the Bible? You should know it. John 15 verse 26. The Spirit of truth, Jesus says, which proceeds from the Father, He shall testify of me. Other translations say, He shall speak of me. So when the Holy Spirit is speaking through us, if He's really the Holy Spirit speaking through us, shouldn't we be speaking about Jesus, no matter what subject we're talking about? And please, God, help us that we stay on this sort of track. Because I, I, I wanted to start off, and I should have started off with, I apologize on behalf of the church, our church, the global church, for us ever getting off track, Jesus. Forgive us. Because it's not the people's fault. 100% not the people's fault. But when I was thinking about in worship and I was thinking about reality, definitely not the people's fault because they just got to follow and listen and receive. And they, they, they're, they're following the leaders. But, and then I thought about all the leaders in the church. Well, it's not the leaders' fault because we just followed the last generation. And that's why God's changing us from generation to generation. Does that make sense? He's changing us from glory to glory. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just that's, this is where God's leading us to. So if, if, I'm, I'm a bit passionate, but please don't misunderstand it's a beautiful, gentle, loving, encouraging word from the Father just to refocus us. And, and, and hopefully my heart would be and God's heart would be that you sort of, I'm going to read the word. I'm going to look for Jesus everywhere. 
I want to start seeing that it's all about relationship with Him. Number seven is we are destined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's in Romans 9, 29. One of my favorite scriptures for some reason, because it says, for whom, for whom God, for whom He did foreknow, He foreknew you, He also did predestinate you to be conformed to the image of His Son. God has predestined you to be conformed, transformed, changed into the image of Jesus. You and I cannot change unless the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, gives us revelation, that Christ gives us revelation of His Word. And then, because it's true revelation, that's what changes us. And, that's what, and I love that scripture because it tells us we're actually predestined by God to be transformed into the image of His Son. The whole purpose of what God, God's destined you to be more like Jesus. And you will get there. If it's not this side of heaven, when you get to heaven, you're going to be transformed. And I believe in heaven, you will still grow and mature to be more like Christ. You'll never stop growing, ever, for all eternity, to know God. I mean, it'd be boring if you went to heaven. I know everything about God. Sure, you'll never know everything about God. The beauty of heaven is you'll ever see His beauty and His lovingness and His mercy and His grace and His holiness. The angels went around God, those beings and beasts with wings on each, free wings and eyes on their bodies, eyes from behind, eyes in their wings, eyes outside, full of eyes. And they went around God looking at God and go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Freaking out almost it feels like. Because they're looking at God and continually saying, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Phenomenal. We want, I want to fall in love with Him more and more and see Him in His beauty. We are predestined. There's a lot of scriptures to talk about. What I'm trying to say is you cannot truly change. And it's the Holy Spirit by His Word changes you. If you change for culture, if you change because everyone else in the church, the whole community is doing this, so I'll do it. The whole community is doing it. So you can do that out of, out of acceptance. I want to be accepted. I want to, I want to be like everybody else. Uh, you, know? you can do it out of, I want people's attention. I want people's praise. You can even do it because I want to be spiritual so I can be known. I, 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 want, I want attention. I want status. There's all different reasons you can do it if your eyes aren't on Jesus. Please hear what I'm saying. As a pastor, and probably it's a, it's a more of a temptation, that every leader, every pastor, if, it's doing a, if you're doing a ministry, this would be a temptation for any single ministry. You could technically pay a price because you want to succeed. You know what I mean by succeed? You want the church to grow. You want the church to blossom. Anyone wants to grow. No one wants to. I'm going to do this so I can fail. I want to fail so miserably. Well, you're not going to give God glory if you fail. So you can end up getting a motive of, oh, I want to succeed. I want to pay a price. And even someone said a while ago to me, um, uh, so why do you fast? So you get power? I've, I probably fasted many times so I can get power. But really, the right answer would be, I want to fast to get close to Jesus. I want to get close to God. I want to, I want to fall in love with Him. Because if I fall in love with Him and get to know Jesus, guess what? The power will come automatically. If I'm looking for power, miracles, signs, so I can have success and the ministry will grow and status and I can get attention and I can, and I can uh, what's the word, please my peers, and, you know, all that, then that's the wrong motive. Can you see why it has to get back to Jesus? Because you can change from community, culture's sake and not change out of revelation and it won't hold water. It won't, change, it won't, it won't stick. But the power of the will, your will and my will, is so strong that the Holy Spirit could actually make a genuine change in you and you can actually let that go as well. Just so you know. It's true. Just because the Holy Spirit makes a genuine change in you, you've got to hold to the ground that you have. 
You've got to hold to the revelation you have. But if you let it go and get distracted, you can let go of the very thing God gave you. And I genuinely, I genuinely gave it to you through revelation. So number eight is Ephesians 4.24. This is a Passion Translation. We are transformed and changed only as we embrace Christ. I love that. That's the Passion Translation. We are transformed and, and, and changed only by, as we... So when I truly embrace Christ, that's what actually changes me. But if I'm changing for any other reasons, like I said, because everyone else is doing it, everyone else is doing it, I want to do it. So you change your behavior to fit in. But you do it out of revelation for Jesus. That's why revival, Pensacola revival, the Toronto revival, fantastic revivals. And God had done amazing, amazing fruit from that. A phenomenal fruit. But if you're in that revival, while you're in the river... While everyone, every single day you're in the revival, you're worshiping all the time, you're in the river, there's holiness being preached, presence of God is strong. So you don't even realize that you're getting sustained from the river, you're drinking from the river, and you live holy, you live pure, you're on fire and everything. You get outside of that environment, and now you've got your well to drink, your well to drink from. You've got to make sure you dig your own relationship with God, because you didn't realize how much that sustained you when you're in revival. That's true of any outpouring in any revival. Because in that revival, you can look to Jesus and, and, and really get stayed on Jesus. And then, yes, then you can sustain that. And no matter where you go, you become the changer of that environment. And that many people have had that. Many, many. So we're transformed that way. Number nine, we have the Spirit of Jesus living in us. Did you know that we had the Spirit of Jesus living in us? I thought it was the Spirit of God. Well, Romans 8 verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of God. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he says, I'm going to go to the Father and I will send the Spirit. He's talking about his own Spirit. They're all one. God the Father became a man. He put on flesh. And once Jesus became a man, he's a man for all eternity. Glorified man. But he's the one that has preeminence because he is God. Does that make sense? We worship him as God because he has the preeminence. That's what Colossians says. That's why Colossians, Colossians was written to get people's eyes off angels. They were getting distracted from Jesus and looking to the supernatural and angels. And they were loving the supernatural and the angel stuff. And they're getting the eyes off Jesus. So Paul wrote it to say, Jesus is God. He's the creator of all things. In him all things exist. Jesus said, so if the Holy Spirit leads us, I believe Jesus is actually leading us. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word rule means to rule like an umpire. The peace of Christ rules like an umpire. Makes decisions for, for, to direct you. Holy Spirit is the one who leads us. It says here in Romans um, 8 verse 14, sorry. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's still the Spirit of Christ that's leading you. And Jesus, uh, 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 did I say that the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus? The Holy Spirit speaks about Jesus, doesn't he? He testifies about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit in you is going to lead you to your relationship with Jesus. But he's our leader. That's what my point is, that he leads us. Also, number 11, not many people want to talk about this, but Jesus is our judge. He's the judge of the earth. The Bible says two believers, get this right, two believers. A born-again believer has already been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and already is in the kingdom of light. You're not trying to get into heaven. You're already, in, you're already a citizen of heaven in the book of Colossians. You're already a citizen of heaven. 
You're already a son and daughter of God. So a believer stands at the judgment seat of Christ. Christ will judge you. That's one judgment for us believers. To the unbeliever, they stand at the great white throne judgment in the book of Revelations chapter 20. Everyone's names that are not written in the book of life will go to eternal fire. That's in the book of Revelations. We don't go to that one. We don't even go there. We go to the one that we get rewarded. But let me read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So Christ is our judge. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. How does that work? How do you receive everything that's done in our body, everything we do? Because I believe God will judge us according to our works. The Bible says that we're not saved by our works, but we get judged by our works, our good works. We get rewarded in heaven. Every single thing you do as a believer will be rewarded in heaven. Every single thing. How do I know that? Jesus said, a person giving a cup of water to a disciple in the name of being a disciple, truly he will not lose his reward. You'll be rewarded here and in heaven, 100%. And so how do you, how do you get, receive good and bad? How do you receive the bad? Well, if I've, done, if I've done bad is this, doing something for God for the wrong motives. Doing things... You might do the right things, but it's all the wrong heart. So that'll go to the judgment and, get, and the fire will purify it and it'll burn up to nothing. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us this. Chapter 3, Paul talks about that judgment scene. He goes, Anyone, Jesus Christ is the foundation. There's no other foundation you can lay except Jesus Christ. But be careful, he says, how you build on that foundation. If you, would, if you build wood, hay, and stubble, both wood, hay, stubble, three things cannot handle the fire. It burns up. Or gold, silver, precious stone. Those three elements can handle the fire. So if you build wrongly with the wrong stuff, it, in, in the Day of Judgment, which speaks of fire, fire speaks of judgment, it says that it'll burn up. You'll burn up and suffer loss. How do you suffer loss when you're about to be rewarded and go to heaven? You suffer loss because the things that you could have been rewarded, you lost. Because you burnt it up. You did it with the wrong motives, wood, hay, stubble. But if you did it with the right elements, the right motives, and you obeyed God, it's gold, silver, precious stone, you'll go through the fire and you'll receive a reward in heaven. You still make it in heaven. It says, but he himself will be saved because you've got the foundation of Jesus. Does that make sense? As long as you have Jesus, you're going to go to heaven. Amen? But I just want us to remind us, Jesus is our judge. And, and, and number 12 was that He will reward us, which I spoke about then a bit. But he re, He's not just our judge, he, which He is our judge, but He's also going to be our rewarder. He rewards everything you do for Him. I'm up to Dundee number 13, but let me try to finish with 13. Um, but, you know, Christ is our head. We are to please Jesus, not people. It says that in, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, it, it says... So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to Him. Paul says in Galatians, I'm not a servant of man. If I was here to serve man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what's our motives? I'm here to serve Christ. So when I'm asked to serve in the local church, you're not, you're not saying, yes, I'll do it because you asked me. You actually do it because Christ wants you to do it. It's a higher purpose, a higher level. It's a higher level. Oh, they're asking me, I'm going to do it then. Well, then give you some time. You'll get frustrated. You'll start complaining. No one's thanking me. No one said thank you. No one appreciates what I do around here. Well, that means you're not doing it for Jesus. 
please, but hear my heart. If you're doing it fully to Jesus, even if no one thanks you, even if no one prays you, even if no one says good on you, you're still doing this for Jesus. You're in love with Him. Lord, I'm doing it to Him. No humans are watching. They're not saying thank you. They're not even realizing what I'm doing, but I'm doing it for you. We're here to serve Jesus. We're here to serve Jesus, please Jesus. And we're here to seek Jesus. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated. Why did he say that? Seek those things that are above. That's where Christ is. You should be seeking Christ. I should be seeking Christ. Seek those things that are above, which Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind on things above. Why? Because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. I should seek Him. My desire should be Him. My mind should be. Can you just see it's all about Him? Just from a few scriptures? It would take us years to get through everything. I'm not exaggerating that. Through the whole Bible. But how, how do we miss it? Because we're human beings. And this, the seek Jesus, John chapter 37, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, where Jesus stood at the last day of the feast. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. So who do you go to? Jesus. How do you drink the living water? Jesus. You go to Jesus. A person's not going to fill you. I need someone. You can sit with them. They're going to help you. But still Jesus is it. He's the one. And so Jesus, that scripture says, because out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Then it says, this he spoke about the Spirit. Yet the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's very clear that the river flowing in us is the Holy Spirit baptism where we speak in tongues and we speak direct to God and it flows like a river. But let me say this about H2O really quickly. Heard it from Eric Gilmore. If you haven't heard of him, watch him on YouTube. Eric Gilmore is in love with Jesus. Another man that speaks only about Jesus and love for him. You can know everything about H2O. You can know, the, you can know all there is to know about uh, intellectually about H2O, scientifically about H2O, intellectually. You can talk about H2O. It's, it's a pretty interesting element. You, you, it's so much about water. But unless you drink it, it won't sustain you. You can talk about it till you're blue in the face. You can talk, 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 talk. And it's like, we talk, 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 talk. Unless we encounter Jesus, the talking won't feed you and sustain you. I can even be in a river and splash in the river and play in the river and, and, and love the river and all that. But you know, unless I drink the water in the river, it won't sustain me and give me life. This water substance is the most precious substance on this planet. It's just the most valuable too. It really is. We've just got so much of it that we don't realize. If we ran out of water and there's only enough to survive, we'd kill for it. I'm talking about the world. And there'll be wars. Countries will fight over this substance if we ran out. 100% because it sustains you, your life. We just take it for granted. We don't even think about that. But the spirit water, the living water is the same thing. We need Him desperately, but we have to consume Him. We have to actually encounter Him. When you come to church, I hope you're thinking, I want to encounter Him. I want to hear from Him. I want to worship Jesus. I want to hear the Word that's from His heart. I want to flow in the gifts. I want to be a priest. The, the, the Bible says, that, this is reality in the Bible. I know we all know it. So many groups and movements know this. It's one thing knowing it, but actually trying to work it out and make it happen. The priesthood of all believers. If you're new to us, let me say this outright. You don't have to call me Pastor Leo. You just call me Leo. Why? Because that's not in the Bible. 
Paul in the Bible, all around the Bible, says, Paul the apostle to Timothy, my son. He didn't say Pastor Timothy. He didn't say Apostle Paul. He said Paul the Apostle. Always first name basis. Family. Real family. The moment we say Pastor this, title that, we end up looking at titles. We do things for titles, positions, for status, and we get our eyes off Jesus again. Remember, if it's not about Jesus, by default it has to be about something else. So, so, so why we emphasize that is because in the Bible. And we teach that because we don't want hierarchy and laity to develop. The book of Revelations, Jesus says, I hate the practices of the Laodiceans. Why? Because it literally meant clergy and laity. Those two words break up. The so-called clergy, which is supposed to be the so-called anointed, and the laity who aren't so-called. But everyone's anointed, and everyone's called of God, and everyone's a son and daughter, and everyone's a priest, and everyone can hear God. So we need to, in the last days, God's equipping all believers to do the works of Jesus out there in the marketplace. Amen? But it starts with Jesus, doesn't it? Because unless you're in love with Jesus, you're going to, I want that. I want to be known. I want that power. I want that. So you pay a price, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Do it because you're in love with Jesus. So it might take some days. It might even take some weeks. It might even take some months. And guess what? It might even take some years before we're so, so infatuated in love and focusing on Jesus. No one else. Something we're gonna to have to fight for, I reckon. You fight, you gotta fight for this culture. What is a kingdom without a king? You can have kingdom principles without having a relationship with a king. Kingdom without the king is just dumb or dumb. We need the king. We need to be in love and relationship with him. Amen. If you're listening online and you don't know this King Jesus, and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. When you realize He died on the cross for your sins, He paid the penalty. And anybody in this room, if you don't know Jesus, you could be in this room and be a visitor or a first-time visitor or maybe you don't know Jesus. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and He'll forgive you and wash you of all your sins for free. You don't have to do a thing to deserve it, a thing to earn it. He just gave it to you for free. That's the message of the cross. It's grace. It's mercy. When you accept Him by faith, He washes you completely clean. So I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus for a moment. We're going to pray for everyone else in a moment. We're going to worship King Jesus. Is there anybody in this room that needs to make peace with Jesus? Peace with God through Jesus. Just slip your hand up. And if you're, in, if you're online watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can say yes to Jesus. We're going to pray a quick prayer right now to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. If you're a first-time believer, you want to say yes, just Say yes to Jesus. And if you maybe drifted in your heart and you know you haven't been walking with Him, and you want to come back, just put your hand up and say, please pray for me. Please pray for me. It's a simple thing to do. It's a beautiful thing. And if everyone's believers in this place, that's absolutely fantastic. But I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anybody in this room that needs to make peace with God, your heart's been stirred, you know you're far from God and you want to come back, Thank you, Father. Wonderful. Let's pray for everyone that needs to pray this prayer. Just pray this prayer from your heart. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I believe with all my heart that he died on the cross for my sin. And he was raised from the dead so I can have forgiveness and right standing with God. So I accept him in my heart. I repent of my sin. 
I let it go. I turn away from it. And I make you Lord of my life, Lord. Be my Lord. I will learn to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer online and you believe it with your heart, God gives you, accepts you into the family. Anyone that accepts Christ, God says, in no way would He cast you away. He'll accept you. You belong to God. You belong to His family. Amen. been listening to the ggc life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you for more please visit our website ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be blessed